blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up to. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Scalpels and Tequila, a Grey's Anatomy recap podcast. I'm Ayla. And I'm Tamsin. And today we are doing season four, episode 11, Lay Your Hands on Me. Super exciting monologue. Monologue by Bailey today. It's a Bailey monologue. I know. This is a big Bailey episode. It's a great Bailey episode. And this one makes sense to be a Bailey monologue as like, the character we know this episode who has the most faith, I suppose. Well, give us a read of the monologue and tell us what it's all about. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. At least that's what they say. He created the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and he looked at his creation and he saw that it was good. And then God created man and it's been downhill ever since. (laughs) (laughs) The story goes on to say, <laughs> I can't, I can't laugh at that. I, um, I, can't. I can't. Good. And I know she means man as in human beings, but I can't not read it as men. As men. As men. Thank you. Like, yeah. And he made men and, well. <laughs> it all went to shit. Sorry, all right, uh, next next phrase. Sorry, 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 back to Bailey, back in the Bailey vibe of it all. The story goes to say that God created man in his own image, but there's not that much proof of that. After all, God made the sun and the moon and the stars, and all man makes is trouble. <laughs> I can't read this. Like, she's not wrong. No. And when man finds himself in trouble, which is most of the time, he turns to something bigger than himself. Women! To love. <laughs> love or faith or religion to make sense of it all. But for a surgeon, the only thing that makes any kind of sense is medicine. As doctors, we know more about the human body now than at any point in our history. But the miracle of life itself, why people live and die, why they get hurt, that is still a mystery. We want to know the reason, the secret, the answer at the back of the book, because the thought of our being all alone down here is just too much for us to bear. But at the end of the day, the fact that we show up for each other in spite of our differences, no matter what we believe, is reason enough to keep believing. It's a big one. Is it? I kind of I kind of love being insignificant. Do you? I think it's important to feel insignificant every now and again. There was this brilliant webcomic that I saw on some meme website years ago where it was like, when you think about it, the earth is just a tiny pinprick in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Like our planet is so small in comparison to the sun. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to the planetarium and just been absolutely dwarfed by the sheer size of our universe, it's completely irrelevant that I ate an entire cake in one sitting a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. I am just a speck of dust inside a giant's eye. I was about to say, I was when I go for a drive, I like to pull up to the side of the road, look up and stare up at the something in the sky. It's a great album by Kimia Dawson. Great album. It's a great song. I love giants. Yeah. Anyhow, derailed everything. I love being insignificant. I love just that that little moment of clarity that you get once every few months where you're like, ah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
I think it's really important to remember that. I think it's really important to have those moments. And it's, I think that's why, I think that's why I really love aliens. Like I fucking love aliens. Oh, I have been meaning to ask you about the news. I know. I haven't, I've been following it yet. I'm very, very excited. I mean, they haven't given us too much yet, but I mean, they, they're basically saying that they have proof, but we're, they're just slowly leaking it. To, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Thoroughly <laughs> enjoying it as well. Yeah. So this episode is all about faith. It's all about believing in something bigger, whether it be aliens, whether it be God, whether it be love, whether it be being a speck of dust, being insignificant in the cosmos, being small, believing in something bigger than ourselves because sometimes that just makes it so much easier to get through the day. All of our all of our characters today kind of have to think bigger than themselves or think beyond themselves and see a bigger picture. And I really like the way that this episode te- teaches us about our patients, oh, our patients, teaches us about our doctors. Well, with this being a theme, I, I like seeing them have have belief in something else other than the medicine. I like figuring out what else makes them tick, what else drives them forward. That's cool. I, li- I like this episode. It's also not not a huge episode. It's it. This episode gives us space to breathe and think and it's not you know these last two episodes have been so big and so heavy on the drama Mm. and how much chaos is going on there's space there's space today nice (laughs) in saying that you know where there isn't a lot of space i feel like the gray house is just filled to the brim this morning it really is yeah also i can't figure out for the fucking life of me what she's done to those eggs (laughs) All I could think, I'm like, eggs smell like sulfur. I get it. But, like. How could she fuck them up? Yeah. Like, I feel like there must have Mm. been, like, a rotten egg in the bunch and that's what everyone's smelling. Because if you've ever cracked an egg that was starting to turn, oh, it is one of the most unpleasant smells you will ever experience. But, like, you know, because that smell is so overwhelming. Which is like, it's mm. eggs with avocado. Like, chill, guys. It can't be that bad. Mm. Unless she's cooked it in something weird, like in a weird oil or something or I don't know. Uh, a friend of mine, once someone I was living with got very excited. I got home and they were like, oh, I'm cooking a roast. And I was like, cool. Why does it smell funny in here? And it turns out instead of grabbing like the spray oil for the pan, they'd sprayed the pan with bug spray. See, that's maybe that's what's happened. That's fucked. <laughs> but why? Um, another confusing thing was I I don't think I ever really conceptualized how far away Derek's block of land was from the hospital. And also the land that he's been parking his trailer in was the land that he bought, right? And now we're seeing this whole other side of the land that looks out over Seattle, but he's been catching the ferry every day. And when we see the view from his property over Seattle, 
How fucking far away from the hospital is this bit of land? It seems very far, doesn't it? But it's, uh, but I don't. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's a good view, though. But it's a beautiful view. But yeah, it does seem really not not practical for working the hours that they do because, I mean, what? Okay, so if you're Bailey, Bailey is home between the hours of twelve and six a.m. So if you're Derek, I'm assuming he's at the hospital just as much, potentially more. I'm not sure. So imagine if you have that travel time, which is probably drive to get the ferry, get the ferry, and then drive from the ferry to your land. Like that's got to be well over an hour, two hours. Shout out to any of our listeners. Have you figured out the geography of Grey's Anatomy and where it could possibly be in Seattle? Because (laughs) this makes no sense to any of us. No, it's far away. Yeah. And it's very strange. I mean, add that to the reasons of maybe Meredith's not ready to move into this property yet because maybe she just needs a bit more sleep than that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair because I'm pretty sure her house is within like walking and or driving distance of the hospital. Like it's close. Definitely driving. I mean, they carpool together, but I don't think it's that far away. No. But look, after they spend a very cluttered morning Eating eggs and avocado and whatever cheese was in the fridge. In the house because we've got Alex, Izzy, George and Lexi are all Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, it's the house of, you know, taking in strays, which it's always been and we see that again and it's really nice. So we get to the hospital and Callie and Han are sort of bonding over their dislike of people. Um. Derek and Rose are bonding over their lack of each other. <laughs> Have a little chat. Mm-hmm. Um, but Derek pretty quickly says, like, kissing you and that was all fun, but I'm seeing someone. So brownie points for shutting it down and not stringing her along. I agree. Mm-hmm. And Rose also says, like, this. let's not let this one kiss complicate a working relationship. Yep. So I actually think they both went around about this very well. Well, she only has to say that because she tries to speak to Derek about something and he won't even make eye contact with her and has to remind him, hey, chill, it was just a Mm -hmm. kiss. You you Mm -hmm. didn't even know what my name was up until three days ago. You horrendous turd. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, 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 okay. Unfortunately, George is doing classic George weasel behaviour and hiding behind them in the nurse's station. Yeah, look, he he was good last week. He stepped up, but he's just back back to being Weasley George. He overhears about the kiss and he... Everyone's making assumptions this episode. Everyone's assuming that everyone has all of the information. True. Because we also get Mrs O'Malley this episode. She's back, she's so excited, and she's got a a bag full of baby clothes. I love the energy Mrs. O'Malley brings to this show. I did until she got really, really religious on us, and I was like, oh, nah, that's not. Oh, yeah. I'm not into that. But, like, she assumes that George and Callie are still together and everything's fine and starts handing gender-neutral baby clothes over to Callie. Well, yes. I guess it is her assumption, but also I don't, why would she assume that they've broken up? 
I don't think you just jump to that conclusion. Not, George hasn't talked to her in a very long time. And there was a moment, it just feels like so long ago that George and Callie were together. It feels like seasons ago. It feels like so much has happened. But there was there was a moment in time when they had mentioned where they were talking about kids and they had mentioned kids. So I don't think it's Mrs. O'Malley's fault for assuming that's what's going on. No, not at all. But I was more going to say it was uh, Izzy's confessing of everything, assuming that what Mrs. O'Malley was talking about was her and George getting it on and breaking up the marriage. Well, yeah, I mean, Izzy's just putting her foot in it again. I feel like. Pretty classic Izzy Izzy behaviour. Classic Izzy behaviour. Classic Izzy behaviour. She just sees Mrs. O'Malley and assumes like, oh, yep, (laughs) she's talking about me. Everyone (laughs) must always be talking about me at all times. Yeah. But, yeah, Mrs. Mrs. O'Malley is in the hospital today to just touch base and check in and see what's going on and and just get really religious about this whole thing. Mothery. Oh, oh yeah, and that. I just feel like this, this oh, my, my son hasn't messaged me in a long time. I'm just going to come into his workplace and force myself in the middle of his life. It just anno- it's annoying to me. Oh, 100%. But also, <laughs> but also that doesn't take away from the fact that I do really enjoy Mrs. O'Malley. I do too. I do really enjoy her <laughs> as a character. If she was my mum, I would be hard. But as a character, love her. I think she's fun. I just think she brings an energy we don't see very much into into the Grey's Anatomy world and I enjoy it. She's the only really like loving, understanding, generous mother out of all of the parents in our in our Grey's Anatomy world. Then this episode we see another side of her. We see this side mm. where religion trumps happiness. Yeah, it's really disappointing and it's really it's really hard. It's hard to watch mm. it. Her answer to it is confess to the priest mm. and it'll all be better. You guys just need to work on it. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but also no. Like that's not the path we want to go down anymore. Yeah, it's it's really complicated because I feel like sometimes if people who are very religious and put a lot of their eggs in the faith basket when they are going through a hard time it just gets more and more intense so I do have a little bit of leniency I suppose to Mrs O'Malley in this moment because she is still really really grieving her husband and I think it's icky that she forces this religion so hard on George and Kelly and she says things like, we don't do divorce, like we are Catholic, we don't believe in that, you need to apologise to the priest and, and, and figure it out. But later we do, she says like how much she's missing her husband and a part of it I just feel like is so wrapped up in her own grief that maybe that's why she's hammering in this so hard because she needs to believe in something else like she needs to believe in faith so strongly to still feel like she's connected to her husband 
like that's what's getting her through. And unfortunately, with that belief and with believing it's so hard comes the ugly side of it, the side that, yeah, religion over happiness. It's you follow these strict rules above and your own what you need in your life. Correct. And I think like it, it's it's unfortunate that she can't separate the two, like separate her own needs and why she feels like she needs to have faith separate it from what George and Kelly need, but she can't. Yeah, she never really comes around to it in the end either. I, I did like her her chat with Callie when Callie finds her in the waiting room because she didn't want to leave because Bailey's son was in trouble and that was very sweet. And they have a conversation and, you know, Mrs. O'Malley says, in God's eyes, marriage is forever. And we hear from Callie, and mm. this was – devastating to be honest when she says i used to believe in god marriage heaven and hell and you're like oh dear lord has has george ruined this woman so hard that he's completely abolished her entire faith system that's horrific that is a huge statement and she says i believe in love and second chances and that even though george wasn't the one for me it's okay that I believed he was because I got to be an O'Malley and I loved being an O'Malley. This scene broke me. I cried. It's not even that biggest scene. It's not even that, you know, huge and emotional, but Sarah Ramirez, their performance is so detailed and so real and it holds so many different emotions in such a short amount of time. It's really beautiful to watch. I also think the writing in this scene is really good. Scenes don't need to be long. They don't need to be intensely emotional to be really affecting, and I think this is just a really, really exceptionally done scene. Yeah, I agree. Like both of these actors work really well together. It's very affecting. There was a scene in this episode that by the end of it I was like, I was expecting it to go somewhere. And just never really did. It was just like the quickest setup for for a tidbit at the end of the episode. When we get to the hospital, no, another one. It just when we get to the hospital, Lexi is asking Bailey for a shot of epinephrine. She's having an allergic reaction, oh. and Bailey palms yeah. her off to go to the trolley because she's distracted. And George and Lexi meet at the trolley, and Lexi is broken out in some of the worst hives I've ever seen. Because she's like, I have no boundaries. I, I can't say no to people. So I ate eggs, even though I'm very allergic to eggs. And and it kind of led to it, it, it. You're like, okay, cute. George and Lexi, they're doing a little bit more bonding. This is nice. Yeah. But then we get no more information on this the entire episode, except when we get to the very end of the episode. And George says, oh, so are you still looking for an apartment? That's it. It was, it was just so lazy. It was so sloppy and it came out of nowhere. Well, I, I think it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't come out of nowhere because Lexi's been sleeping on the floor at Meredith's house and George kind of has as well. He slept on the floor for one night. But so did Le like Lexi and George are both kind of in limbo at the moment. That's fair. It doesn't totally come from nowhere, but I know what you're saying. I also think, like, you know, this idea of the two of them being a bit 
they're like they're strays they're both quite lost they are bonding over that they were you know they became friends as interns and I don't think it comes from nowhere but I know what you're saying I think I think the being allergic to egg thing was (laughs) so bizarre yeah I thought that was going to be like a little patient moment yeah but it wasn't because I also feel like to my recollection that never comes up again (laughs) but that is something that we did talk about right before we started recording there was a moment in this episode that I watched and I went this is where it starts for Bailey and we just didn't notice it yes Mm -hmm. because as you said earlier today is a huge day for Bailey she starts her day in just the worst way to start a day and that is in a passive aggressive silent treatment relationship household I just these two have are not communicating Mm -hmm. it's awful they had that big fight last week because Tucker was waiting for Bailey waiting so they could have a chat over lunch and Bailey just couldn't get out of surgery and kept sending George with these messages to Tucker to wait for her to wait for her because she was saving a life. And Tucker ends up not waiting and leaving. And they haven't had this conversation yet. They're just skirting around it in the most tense, yuck. And all he really says to her, he starts talking to her as she's about to leave the house, which bugged me. Um, But he finishes it with, with, are you interested in being part of this family? And it's just. Yeah, it bugs me as well because it's very, she is walking out the door and they've had this whole morning, like they've been talking about a plumber and they've been trying to do laundry. Like they, they kind of was time to bring this up, but, but I guess. It helps his argument being like, you always have to. Some things just come out when they come out, you know. You're always leaving. Yeah, you're always walking out the door. But by the time she gets mm-hmm. to the hospital, Tucker's calling her, asking where this slip of paper is, and it's like, you know it's going to be right there. She said it's on the desk. You know it's it's right on the desk. It's like, oh, I can't find this thing. Did you look in the drawer where that thing lives? Yes, you open the drawer. It's right there. After the first phone call, she just starts ignoring these calls until she's rushing on her way to the ER she can't handle him calling anymore. It's been interrupting patients, interrupting conversations with other doctors. She finally decides to answer and she says, Tucker, I can't call him on my way to the ER. And he says, well, that's me that's paged you. And we open up the door to the ER and we see Tucker and Tucker Jr. coming in. Little baby Tucker is strapped to this gurney because a bookcase yeah. has landed on him. Terrifying. Terrifying. That's terrifying. It's also confusing to me because there's no, and I don't want to see this. This isn't because I want to see this, but like, is it, is it weird that there's no blood? Like, he looks fine. He's just crying. Is that a morbid thing for me to say? Blunt force traumas aren't terribly. A bookcase fell on him. The where's, bookcase. The, where's the bruises? Where's the scratches? Not even a scratch. Blunt. That's why it's called a blunt force trauma. I get that it's bad. Blunt force traumas don't have. I feel like you get a visible outsides often, which is why they're so dangerous because you don't know what's going on. There's no visible signs. Okay. Bailey's so frantic that I think that she 
forgets that Tucker is a novice and doesn't know what's going on because he's asking questions and she kind of just screams at him, Tucker, we don't have time for your questions before the babies wheel the way. I mean, I don't think it's that he's a novice. He's just he's just a family member of a patient in this moment. He's doing exactly what And they're all novices. What do you mean? What I mean is Bailey knows exactly what's going on because Bailey's a doctor and she knows what happens in these cases. We see it this whole episode. When we see his scans go up, Bailey sees them and says, this is what's happening. Here is the reality of the situation. But poor Tucker is not a doctor. He is a novice. He doesn't know what's happening. They're saying all this technical jargon. There are dozens of doctors in this room and no one's actually explaining to Tucker what is happening to the child. Totally. This is, I think, Bailey is... Bailey is treating him like her husband. She's not treating him like a family member of a patient, which is the problem. Yeah. She's still talking to him and sniffing at him and getting frustrated at him like she has been in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's not helping because, unfortunately, unprofessional manner in which she has started this case is going to continue because she shouldn't be on this case at all no if we've learned anything watching this show family members cannot operate on family members or anyone that they're a little bit connected to because that's where all of the biggest problems of this whole show come from and christina seems to be the only one who is taking that on board because Our little baby boy gets sent for an MRI or a CT scan. All of our girls in the scan room, Meredith and Izzy are freaking out a bit and Christina turns around and says, it is a trauma case. It is not Bailey's baby. It is a blunt force Mm -hmm. trauma. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. Bailey and Tucker are squabbling over whose fault this is. Tucker is trying to yeah. blame Bailey for leaving the door open. And that's fucking got to plague her so much. Quickly, let's go back to Christina because I think it's really important that Christina says this in this moment. After last week's episode, where it's been a bit of this Christina versus Izzy, whose way of working with patients is the best? Even though what we are kind of coming to understand as audience members. It's two different games that they're playing. You can't, it's apples and oranges. You can't actually compare these two. I think it's a case by case basis. And today, because of how personal this is to everybody at the hospital, I mean, not only it's Bailey's baby, but this baby was born in the hospital on a very hectic day. And everyone was kind of involved in this birth. And everyone is kind of involved now in Bailey's relationship. Also named after George. Named after George. So actually, right now, Christina's robotness as Izzy says she says if this is the battle of the robots Christina you win Christina's right it does need to be the robotness is important in this case right now because you can't see the medicine clearly if you're seeing the patient that's what makes everything a little bit blurry and I and I just think it's really important and also we get this amazing bit of dialogue this episode I, I just said, um, Izzy saying, in the Battle of the Robots, Christina, you win because Izzy has decided to stop vying for 
a cardio position. She doesn't want to be taught by Han anymore. She's decided that she's not kick-ass enough, she's not hardcore enough to go up against Christina in the cardio world. And I think that's a direct result of Han asking her whether or not she wants to be a surgeon or a a social worker. Yeah, Izzy's having a huge crisis of, I was going to say crisis of faith, maybe that's actually the perfect word for this episode, but she's having a bit of a where does she belong, yeah, Mm -hmm. where does she belong moment. Oh, and quickly, because this is what I was trying to get at, my favourite line this episode is Christina quipping back at Izzy making the robot comment and she goes and pretends to be a robot terrible robot impersonation that's really cute (laughs) she does yeah there's so much dialogue that i wrote down from this episode like tucker and bailey's conversation where tucker's basically blaming her and saying that this is her fault for not being home and for leaving a baby gate open Whereas Bailey's saying it's it's Tucker's fault for not having screwed down the cabinet. Where at the end of the day, it's no one's fault. It's it's an accident. Bailey says to Tucker, you messed up. You picked a bad wife. She made a bad mother. She made you stay at home to raise your son and she almost killed him. Can you imagine that thought going through your head as a parent? I step on my cat's foot and I have no. a panic attack. This is horrendous. Yeah. It's really, it's a really hard thing for Bailey to be thinking, but it's also quite an awful thing to say to your partner. I think her saying that to Tucker is a bit unfair. I think it goes back to this thing that you were saying about everyone's making these assumptions. Bailey says this to Tucker in this way that's like, this is everything you think about me. Mm-hmm. You think I'm this horrible person well because Tucker has said like the only reason why he would have gone into that room is to look for you he went in there looking for his mama and he ended up in the hospital which I mean like rough he found her (laughs) he did but also awful do do you do you think that Bailey doesn't feel guilty that her job is keeping her away from home she is aware she knows, but like mm-hmm. heightened set of circumstances. And I think Bailey's awareness of what's going on with her son is significantly more heightened than her husband's because we have the scene where the we're in the scan room and the tests have come back and all of our interns are trying to, interns, residents, sort of guessing here and there about what exactly this scan is showing. And Bailey comes in and says that, his stomach is in his chest. He has a ruptured diaphragm. Basically, all of his abdominal organs have been pushed into his chest and his colon could have ruptured to the point where there's fecal matter all throughout his abdomen. I hate it. 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 Oh. But the point is, is that Bailey, our highly trained general surgeon, is looking at this scan and she immediately knows everything that could possibly be going wrong and all of the different ways that her son could die. And Tucker just knows his hurt. But, like, can you imagine being in Bailey's position here and knowing what the stats are? No, absolutely not. Bailey can't take it. She needs to be in that operating room. She she needs to know what's going on because the updates from our residents just aren't enough. She needs to know more. She has this deep-seated desire to be in control of everything and know exactly what is happening. When she Mm -hmm. bursts in, 
Hans says, do you want me to stand here and talk to you or do you want me to save his life? And going back to Christina having that conversation about being a robot with Izzy, the only way that Bailey can be convinced to leave this room is by Christina saying, I'll hold his hand instead of being part of this surgical procedure, which she might not ever see ever again, operating on an infant whose abdominal everythings are in his chest cavity. It's huge surgery, but no. This is a huge moment for Christina. She hands over the surgical instrument to Lexi. Like she gives up holding the, I want to say protractor, but I feel like that's a math thing. (laughs) Retractor. Retractor. Uh Suction. I don't know. She gives up holding a thing to hold Tucker's hand for Bailey. Mm -hmm. That is like huge growth, Christina. Huge growth. That's like accepting that what Izzy does for patients is just as important as what Christina does. And Christina, we've already heard her talk about, well, maybe it wasn't Christina actually. The, in the faith, the faith in this episode, someone has already said they believe in medicine. That's their faith. Their faith is medicine. I'm pretty sure it's Christina. Yeah, it's, that sounds like a Christina thing to say. And she doesn't, she doesn't say no once. She says no twice because at the end of the surgery, they get to sort of the crucial part and Han asks if Christina would like to do that part. And she says, no, I'm okay here. And she's just patting Tucker's mm-hmm. head. Massive. This is a massive. The bit that I really wanted to get to was Derek finding Bailey in this room, head in her hands, going over every single thing that she did that day. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's us as society where we're a lot more aware of people's mental health and neurodivergence and warning signs that people are in trouble or if it's the fact that we've seen Grey's Anatomy enough time to know what's coming in the next couple of seasons. But I watched this and was like, oh, my God. This could a number of different mental health things it could also just be heightened stress but I do I do agree with you I think this is a bit of an easter egg for what's to come or it's you know very good character development that this is Mm. the start of a turning point in something that we get to understand about Bailey like we really see it firsthand here and I think it's also it's also really interesting that it's Derek that's the person that is with her in this moment. Bailey and Derek have been having some really, really good scenes together. Like Bailey's ability to be vulnerable in front of Derek is really surprising because this isn't the first time this has happened. And it's just an interesting choice that it's that it's Derek that she is able to be vulnerable with. Bailey seems like Derek's only platonic female friend. He doesn't have any other sort of female friendship. Not, not, no, he doesn't. Not in this close now. I mean, you know, he hangs out at Meredith's house with Christina and stuff. But yeah, you're right. This is a friend. This is a real. This is a friendship. I don't think he's friends with Christina. All they ever do is talk about Meredith. Totally. And I guess like they were talking about Burke and she was with Burke a little bit. But this is different. This is like a mutual respect thing. It's 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 Bandcamp honor. <laughs> Bandcamp. Once in Bandcamp, always in Bandcamp. They both went to Bandcamp. Yeah. If you wear that uniform, you are, you know, solidarity for life. Mm-hmm. 
I completely forgot. We forgot to mention our actual patient today, the only other patient, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Archer, who is Dr. Hahn's patient, and she has something wrong with her heart. Everyone's expecting her to have a heart attack and die by this afternoon, not even the end of the day. But Elizabeth is a healer, something along the lines of Reiki, but she lays hands and people get better. Yeah. This is where we find out today that Izzy has said, no, I'm done with cardio. Christina considers this her chance to get back on it, but is quickly dismissed again by Han. She's taking Alex instead because for all of Christina's preparation, she's lost her patient. She's off down the corridor curing someone's tepanade. Well, tepanade, that's what you make out of olives. (laughs) I don't know, his heart's beating really rapidly and she makes it calm down. She does, yeah, she does. She is a healer who uses visualization methods. She, if she understands, so it's hard to talk about because it's, um, you know, when it's new it's just new new information it's it's not it's not western medicine yeah it's really cool though i'm into it i i have a really good osteo and i think she does a bit of this to me i've been looking into reiki a lot like i know this isn't reiki but there is you know i reckon there's similarities like you said mm-hmm. i would love to go see a reiki healer as i book my tarot <laughs> as i book a tarot reading session our hospital staff are non-believers. Yes, well, because they believe in medicine and that, that makes a lot of sense, you know. They 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 need to see it. It needs to be practical. They need to understand the process and the methods and that, you know, they believe in medicine. And this is is uncomprehensible to them. Because it's you, it's mm-hmm. not physical, it's not tangible. Doesn't have a beginning, a middle, and an end that they can see or touch with their hands. There's no, there's no science behind it. It's it's just working. Because she's found in another patient's room, helping out with his cardio issue. Weber tells Bailey not to let her touch another patient. They're they're liable. Um, she's found again by Mark treating another patient's staph infection. And it works really well. Mm-hmm. But Han's bedside manner needs to be checked. Don't get me wrong, I loved it when first thing she did was walk into the hospital and oh yeah, tell Mark off because that's what he deserves. He always deserves to be told off. But today she's just dismissing this patient because they've got some time and all this patient is asking for is that before we do the surgery, I would like to exhaust every non-surgical option that is available to me. And that's fair. A few seasons ago, we had a girl who didn't want a pig's heart and they got a bovine heart. Like we have workarounds. All this patient is asking for is to be explained the procedure. And they've done that for other patients, which one is legally required. (laughs) Yeah. And they've done this for other patients before. I mean, uh, this season, I think they had the little boy who was scared of surgery, so they needed to like talk him through, and then he had to watch another surgery. I think the fact that she's Han is purely dismissing 
this woman because of her faith and her beliefs. Whereas, like, if this wasn't a faith-based request, she would just do it. It's annoying. That's what I mean. And I don't think it's fair. I think it's really yuck. Yeah. And she says in front of the patient as she's walking away, call me when she codes. Like, if you think that her condition is that bad and the only thing that is stopping you from, like, performing surgery on her, taking 15 minutes to explain the surgery, I'm sorry, where is your duty of care? This is another moment, I think, where we are learning and reflecting on this idea of bedside manner or the Izzy method and the Christina Christina method. method. Because... Izzy has also said this episode, like, to Christina, you and Han are perfect for each other. Mm -hmm. You're the same. They both just have a lot to learn from each other. The perfect doctor is going to be somewhere in in between this mix of Izzy and Christina. Both of their methods are important. Having the bedside manner to be able to make your patients comfortable and be understood, Mm -hmm. but also being able to separate it enough that you don't get as emotionally invested makes sense. Alex is also sort of sitting on that same fence of like, this is all mystical fooey. I don't give a shit. Alex is a funny one though, because Alex is, it's not real. Alex is fake mean, the fake, I don't care, the fake, I have no feelings. It's all just a front and it's been crumbling away bit by bit constantly. it's not until these ladies pull him up on that and she just, Tells him exactly what he's feeling, this woman who doesn't know him at all, that he goes, oh, okay, you can see the fear of God in that man's face. When he walks Mm -hmm. into the room and she says, how did she know you were there? She's like, she heard me coming. No, she could sense you. She could sense that your throat chakra is blocked. And that's because you're not the angel of death. You're a very sweet boy. You have a darkness in your throat. And that's because you've been hurt for so long that you can't talk about it. It was hurt so badly. And she saw straight through him. Yeah. She says, you're a, you're a sweet boy, but you're not a good man. And then Alex says, well, I may not be a good man, but I tell the truth. And the truth is you're going to die if you don't have this surgery. God, I love Alex. I love the complexity of Alex. I love even this take that these women have that, like, you – it's what we've been saying this whole time. Mm-hmm. He's great. There's such a decent human in there. He's hiding. And they're just saying you're hiding because of this hurt that you have that you won't talk about, which makes you sometimes feel like you need to hurt other people just to spread it around. It's stuck. And I think the fact that it's stuck up here in his throat, they say like in his throat chakra. So it's like stuck in a very surface level place. It's not like this darkness is so deep that it's never going to leap. It can leap. It can leap. You just have to do the work. And then we get good Alex all the time. I love Alex so much. I think we 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 do see a glimpse of good Alex this episode when he's talking to Izzy about why she's giving up on cardio. He's like, you really liked it. Why are you getting rid of it? What's your deal? And she says, I'm crippled with anxiety. I'm I'm jealous. Christina isn't better than me. I just really idolized her her drive and the fact that she knows what she wants and she has unwavering faith in who she is yeah. and what she wants to achieve. And 
we've seen for a bunch of episodes now, especially in cardio, Izzy constantly questioning herself and not believing that she's good enough to do it. Alex sees in her that she is and that she has this incredibly capable skill set and is able to do things that he isn't able to and the other doctors aren't able to. So he actually brings her in to speak to Elizabeth Archer because she knows how to do the procedure. She's seen it happen a couple of times now. She's really fucking good at cardio and she's really good at talking to patients and calming them. Mm-hmm. And I loved Elizabeth through this entire episode. It's similar to what we were saying about Rose last week. She doesn't get angry. She and she doesn't apologize. She doesn't apologize. She just explains what it is she's doing. She doesn't see anything as a personal attack. Yeah. And our doctors are really calling her deluded and stupid. And she is like, you don't have to believe you don't have to believe what I'm saying. She has the conviction and the confidence to not need others' approval and to not need other people to like her because she can just stand in herself, grounded in what she believes in and is unaffected by their judgment. Yeah. And that's amazing. It's great. Yeah, I like her. We, we see a little bit of that as well from Han this week because the negging from Mark, he says to her, what is this, some sort of gender reversal where you're the strong, confident doctor and I'm the hot, young, blonde? Gross, Mark. Yes, yes, Mark, it is. No, but that's, oh, wait, not the hot young blonde part. Every other bit of it, that <laughs> Han is the strong, confident doctor and Mark is the one chasing her around, trying to get her attention. And Han just says, you are a crass and predatory ape of a man who happens to be a surgeon. Exactly the same as what she said last week. She was like, if you were homely, you would be fired by now. Yeah. It's gross. She's constantly just like, mm-hmm. go away. Like, I have no interest in you. I see right through you. I see what you're doing and it's not my vibe. No. And he doesn't know how to handle it because he's never been rejected before. (laughs) And it's driving him crazy. Yep. It's driving him bananas. Um, Elizabeth doesn't have a heart attack. It is the end of the day. It is the very end of the day. And she's still alive. She hasn't coded. She's been on Bailey's mind all day because Bailey's watched her fix a man who by all medical reasons, should not be awake and thriving. A staph infection, which are notoriously difficult to get rid of, has abated. She herself, not dead. So Bailey puts her faith in a higher power. Well, Bailey, yeah, she rightly says that the energy between Tuck and Bailey is pretty toxic. She doesn't like it or it's pretty, um, it's not very healing. So they hold hands and they have a moment sitting with Tuck. Try to forgive each other. Yeah. Which is sweet. It's really sweet. And it works. The next time we see Tucker, he's choking on his intubation tube because he can breathe by himself. Which is an incredible sign. It's the perfect sign. That's exactly what they want. But it's um, it's it's a it's such a important moment for Bailey and where she is with her relationship with Tucker, Big Tucker, because they're just not not communicating even though they can forgive each other in this moment they're focusing everything on their child they they haven't even navigated this process of little tucker being sick and this process of being scared for little tucker's life they haven't even communicated or navigated this together they've done it completely separately in their own little bubbles of stress and bailey hasn't let tucker into this process or into what's going on i think like 
how separate they are at the hospital today and the way that they're dealing with their child is really telling of where they're at in their relationship and it's really sad. Yeah. So the one thing we haven't really talked about this episode is Derek and Meredith. And Rose. And Rose. And Rose. So at the very start of this episode, we did mention briefly that we're seeing, we've seen, seen Derek show Mark his property and his plans for a dream house, which then over breakfast of eggs and whatever cheese is in the fridge, Derek explains to Meredith that he's had plans drawn up for their home, to which she says she's not quite ready for that. There's a lot of steps in between where they are now and them building their dream house, and there's going to be sexy steps (laughs) and hard steps and steps that they will fall down unwillingly. We fall down, not fall down, fall down together. I don't know. Try to get back up. Um, It's just a very clunky, silly metaphor that I didn't like, but I didn't either. That's why I brought it up. When she says sexy steps, it made me feel really uncomfortable. Have you never had sex on stairs? No. Oh, okay. I know Meredith and Derek have, <laughs> but I don't think that's what she means by sexy steps. No, I, I don't think that's what she means. Anyway, whatever, I didn't like it. Didn't like it. After Meredith saying, like, I don't want you to see other people, he's just taken that and run. He's like, cool, we are back on. We are going in right from where we left off. I am in a committed full-time relationship with this person and because they've said that they want to be exclusive, that means they want to marry me, move in together, have lots of sex and babies. Cool, Derek. I love that you are just jumping flights, flights of stairs. That's great. So when he speaks to Rose, they have a very adult conversation. It's like it was a good kiss. I enjoyed it. But I'm seeing Meredith and unfortunately plans have changed. Sorry. And that is the conversation that George overhears and then goes and puts his foot in it with Meredith because George, again, you mentioned the assumptions, George is assuming that Meredith already knows about Rose. Yeah. Which I'm like, when? How? What? This happened like a day ago. Like this was yesterday. Yeah, and you would know. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. <laughs> definitely know. You would definitely know. Like Meredith would have been talking about it for the last 24 hours right yeah Derek would not have been there for omelettes this morning well when she came home last episode and was like I need to drink I couldn't actually I've been thinking about it and I wasn't sure why she was like upset drunk what had gone badly in her day it seemed like everything had gone pretty well in her day Ayla she was she was no it's because she watched a man die in an ambulance that was upside down and she handed the death of a husband to the wife who works in the hospital. I was thinking more of her personal life. But, like, also, Derek, that's a very valid point. Mm. Maybe take into consideration that Mare's going to need some time because she has a habit of making terrible relationship uh, decisions when she's had a big day. And she had a big day yesterday. She had a huge day. But instead of saying to Derek, hey, George told me something about the scrub nurse, Rose. Can you tell me what's going on there? She just comes straight up to him and says, who's Rose? And it's like, and he calls her up and says, you know who Rose is. I'm assuming you've heard. And I just, I don't, 
this is Ross and Rachel. We were on a break. Yeah, that's exactly what happens next. So Derek says we weren't together and Meredith says that's not the point. And I'm actually, unfortunately, just for this moment on Derek's side. So am I. She'd literally just he'd said to her, is like, I'm going to date other people. And Rose had that beautiful line on the episode that you did where she said that, you know, my previous partner didn't know what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Meredith just says to him, you don't want a life with me. Yeah. You want someone. You want someone who wants the same thing as you. And I'm like, yes, that is what a relationship is. Well, yeah, sometimes that's what it is. I don't think it's always what it is, but 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 Derek also made that. No, I think that you need to have those like fundamental things. Like, do you think that adults can sustain a long-term relationship where one person really wants children and another person doesn't? No. Exactly. So, yes, you you want someone who wants the same things as you. Yes, yeah. of course he fucking does. And also he had he had said that to Meredith. Like he'd made that very clear. He said, I want this. I'm ready for a commitment. I'm ready for a house and the family. Like that's what I want. And you don't want that and you're unsure about it. So I don't think we should be together. <laughs> exactly. Like that That conversation happened. We're not fit. Meredith is like. So her coming back and saying, I want to be exclusive with you is basically going, cool, green light. Accept all the things. Yeah. If you weren't ready for those things, maybe say to him like, Hey, I do want to see us doing that, but not. This is the problem, yeah. But not any of this. And he just says, like, I can't do the back and forth. Like, again, I'm on Derek's side. She said yes, and then she said no, and now she's saying yes, and now she's saying no. And Meredith says, I can't, I'm not ready because I can't trust you. Also, again, not making sense. And then just the truth bomb from Derek. You can't trust anybody. And no matter what I do, you will find reasons not to trust me. Unfortunately, Derek is a lot more switched on and knows what's going on in this conversation than he kind of has for the last three seasons. Yeah, I'm not excusing any of his previous behaviour. No, not at all. But it's like, oh, he's making sense now. Yeah, like I can understand now why you're confused. But going immediately to Rose and saying and asking her out to dinner, no. No. Rose does not deserve to be a consolation prize. No, she definitely doesn't. Definitely doesn't. And she kind of knows she is, though. That's also the confusing thing. We talked about this with Rose last week. Like, he was so mean to her. Why are you dating a guy who's been negging you all through a surgery? Yeah. And then also, like, who said, no, I can't because I'm dating Meredith. And then at the end of the day says, oh, actually, don't worry about it. Let's go have dinner. Rose actually knows what's going on in this hospital. She says, like, everybody knows about you and Meredith Grace. Rose is switched on because Meredith and Derek are the prom king and queen of the hospital. On and off again. And everybody at the school knows the relationship status of the prom king and queen. Yep. It's kind of like at the end of this episode as well, Mark asks Han to go for a drink and she says to him, you're too pretty. And if we didn't work together, look, maybe, but we do work together. And in order to do my job 
I need to leave who I am outside of this hospital, which I love that little Easter egg of like, what's to come? What are we going to learn about harm? Totally. But she's setting responsible boundaries. Whereas Rose is just like, okay, pretty doctor who treats me like shit and is hot and cold. Absolutely. I'd love to. It's so hard because, because, oh, Rose is so good. Like Rose could be, Rose could be so perfect, but she's an imperfect person. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to leave it there. But it's annoying. Because she sees her value and she sees... Like that kiss just didn't look good enough to warrant this. Also, they were in scrub caps. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing sexy about a scrub cap. It just You're right. She sees her value. And that's that's the problem that I'm having with this character. Yeah, that's what's infuriating. Because if Han was to suddenly turn around and change her mind about Mark, you'd be like, you fucking what? No. Unless unless Mark did something to 360 and change his behaviour and step up and maybe he, you know, unless he proved himself. But Derek hasn't proven anything. Derek hasn't changed. No. If anything, he's, he's proved time and time and again that he is less worthy yeah. of her yeah. respect. He is exactly the guy that she thought he was when she laughed at the comment about it not being clicky. Yeah. Time and time again. I, I'm, I'm just mad about it. I'm glad that Callie has a friend, though, if not two friends. Yeah, it's really nice. She really deserves it, mm-hmm. especially now. She's going through so much. Like, this she, this is what she needs. She needs to be out drinking with friends at a pub after work. Very healing, very important connection. And that is where we leave you today. <laughs> Fingers crossed Mrs. O'Malley isn't there drinking her Baileys on ice. Her Baileys. I didn't mean to do that, but I just figured she was like, Mrs. O'Malley feels like she has a little bottle of Baileys or a little bottle of Cointreau just like hidden at the back of a cupboard for emergency. Yes, cute. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, We have been having some great chats on our Discord, uh, which has been really, really nice and really fun. Thank you all so much for your support. We've been having a fantastic time. But as always, if you would like to support our podcast, uh, you can do that in many different ways. You can like, you can share, you can just listen is always cool. And we do have our Patreon on there as well, where with every different tier of Patreon subscriber, you get a fun little bit of merch, which we love. So come and find us and do share on Instagram. We love it when we see people or how people listen to us on socials. It's very exciting. Um, so come find us. We are at Scalpers and Tequila on Instagram and our Discord is Scalpers and Tequila and our Patreon is Scalpers and Tequila. So we're everywhere. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you next week. Bye. See you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.